A story that I think many people can relate to, there's gonna be a point in time where you're confident that you're right on something and other people are gonna tell you that you're wrong and you need to do something else. What do you do? Ugh, you argue. This is the story of my life. <laughs> the opportunity of your life, my friend. <laughs> Touche. All right, so we start out with Mrs. Wilson loves her daughter. I don't know where they're going with this one at first, but she's willing to admit that her daughter, Elise, might be dumb. And I was like, where, where, where are you going with this one, Mrs. Wilson? And, uh, you know, the father turns out uh, he's passed away. So it's just the two of them. It's a little bit lonely in a sense. And she's worried that her daughter's gone like indolent, lazy, you know, like she, the typical mother worries like you want your your progeny to do better, to go on to be these great things. And I think, you know, we, we got to start talking about point of view because this this is whose point of view when this is being presented. And that's crucial, right? Because I feel like knowing the point of view of the mother is that a lot of times, and again, I'm not a parent, but I'm, I'm a son. I feel like parents are always hypercritical and not necessarily in a negative way. They just always want what's best for their kid. They want what's better than what they had. And so it's that pushing moment. So we see that perspective from Mrs. Wilson of, you know, what, why, why, why don't you want to push further, you know, to her daughter? Mm-hmm. Why don't you take these commercial courses? Right. So, so that's what the mother wants. But then what's the daughter want? Right. We see that she's working for the Cogswells. She wants to be an actor. Right. And eventually the Cogswells throw this cocktail party and we meet an agent and we're like, oh, hey, Miss Cogswell's like, Lise, come over here. I want you to meet uh, this agent. There's a great opportunity. You could potentially be in this play. They hit it off. Bada boom, bada bing. When the daughter comes home to tell mom about, hey, I've got an opportunity. Now we've got the conflict. Right. Because the mom sees the future is the commercial courses and the daughter is pushing for basically being an actor, her dream. And we see that the daughter isn't really as lazy as the mother initially presented, in my opinion. I don't know. Like she's working. She's she's taking care of these kids. She's meeting with the agent and such like she doesn't scream lazy to me the way that I feel like the mother presented her in the beginning. Did you feel that way? No, I think that this is where we see the disconnect of generations where a lot of times, again, my opinion, that older generations are always looking not necessarily down upon. I don't want to phrase it exactly like that, but that they're looking as is, you know, oh, you're not doing what I did. So it's not correct. Maybe that's a way to phrase it. So the daughter doesn't want what her mother does. She doesn't want to emulate her. She doesn't want to replicate that. And so the mom sees that as, you know, less or lazy. And I don't think that the daughter even knows what she really wants. The mom asks her several times, well, what are you thinking? What are you doing? What's going on in your head? And she's just like, I don't know. And I think that's very typical of a teenager. You're trying to figure things out. And that's where we see more of that conflict of, Parents a lot of times think they have it figured out and they may have for their own lives, but why do they think they have it figured out for a child's life when the child themselves doesn't even have it figured out? And that's where we see of the daughter thinking, well, maybe I want to be an actress. I I don't, I know I don't want to do these classes you want me to take mom, but I think I want to try this. I want to pursue this. This is something I'm interested in. And then this opportunity presents itself and we have kind of, uh, a very change in tone or narrative as we start to see this shift of perspective to the daughter. Do you think that it's kind of hard to articulate that exact difference, right? Because the mother, right. She's like, we want you to do these commercial courses. 
right? She wants the pictures in her daughter's room to match, to have a cohesive design versus to your point, the daughter's kind of going with the flow. She's figuring out what picture she does like or doesn't like. She's just going along with meeting this agent. It's not so much grasshopper and ant, but there is an element of the mom wants to design and craft almost the future or, or, or opportunities. And the daughter is really um, exploring, right? She's feeling things out. Like it seems too harsh to call her a grasshopper, but she is kind of going with the flow and reacting um, more so than trying to plan and articulate, if that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. And that's where I think that this part of the story and why it's so well crafted is that this is not a generational thing. And that's why it's crazy that this story is only 10 or 12 pages long, but there's a lot of depth here and there's a lot of character development because not only do we have, as we talked about previously, the generational differences of parent and child and old and younger, but also the differences just in personalities where the mom is a planner and the daughter is a little bit more whimsical, I would say, where she's going to kind of just go with the flow and try things out and and find her own path. Uh, you know, maybe this is that more rigid idea of life versus more the hippie way of life. And the, there's just a difference of personalities. The mom and the daughter are not the same person. And the daughter is not going to be like the mom. And that's sometimes hard for, I think, for parents to accept. And then also for parents to, uh, children to accept that they're not going to be like their parents. Can there still be a relationship? Can they still love each other? Can they still get along? And that's something that we see kind of unfold through this story uh, in a very beautiful kind of little twist at the end that I did not see coming. Yeah. And honestly, I wondered when the the story was called, was it the, 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 or the play was called The Devil's Eye. I started to wonder, like, is this going to be the monkey's paw? Right. She's she's thinking she's going to get this great opportunity. I mean, the short story was called The Opportunity. And, you know, Gloria Hegel, who, again, you know, the Hegel name makes me think of the philosopher. And boy, I don't think I really understood his works at all. But there is an element (laughs) to him. The idea is that, you know, you have these guiding forces, whether it be the philosophical force, whether it be the mother planning things or a knee jerk gut reaction to things everybody's kind of looking into the future, right? Like the way that Gloria is like, oh, this place is going to make you big. You're going to have all this money. You're going to have all these job opportunities. Next, I'm going to take you over here and I'll fly you out to the East Coast and you're going to do all this work. And, and I don't know, as a reader, I'm sitting there like, lady, you haven't even seen her like perform yet. Like you haven't even seen it happen. This the story's called like the, the devil's eye. And I'm kind of wondering, like, is that a play on words in terms of like what the devil's eyes on or something? I wasn't sure. But you you get to kind of your point where she performs. It's like she's instantly accepted, which is a little bit strange because she's got the look. And, you know, you'd think she'd just be doe eyed, excited for this to go along almost like, you know, all these things that are being presented to her from Hegel. Uh, her mother is now kind of starting to start to turn the corner and be like, OK, well, let me cook for you while you go practice and read your lines upstairs. But that's not what happens. She reads the play and she's like, this stinks. She's not <laughs> crying. I don't want to be in this. I don't want to be a cuckoo clock making noises, right? Like, like she didn't fall for it the way that you almost would have expected. Yeah, and that's where I think I, I love this twist of that just because someone is young doesn't mean they're necessarily naive and gullible. And there, I guess, were a few red flags, as you pointed out now that I think about it. And that's why I love having these discussions about the, the stories is, yeah, where everybody's just like, oh yeah, she's going to be great. This is going to be awesome. It, it does seem to be a little bloated on the positive side. And then when Elise reads it and like, oh, this is hot garbage. Why? I can't do this, mom. And I think that grounds her in reality of, 
you know, this is something I thought I wanted. Now I realize I don't. I, I saw how these people are. I saw how they treated me. I, I, I got a taste of it. And uh, I'm going to continue on with my normal job. And, uh, you know, if something else comes along, maybe I'll try that. And I think it just reinforces that, that at least is more uh, akin to just try uh, before you buy type mentality and not as big a planner as her mom. And I think that her mom uh, accepts her who she is. And there's a lot of growth in their relationship that she's proud of her daughter for standing up what she believes, even though she may be a little bit disappointed overall. I think she's proud of what her daughter did for herself. It's actually a little bit strange. The mom is probably more of a round character. Like she's the one that really learned and changed in the story. And while Elise learned, you know, that she was correct, I guess is one way to argue it. Like she didn't change all that much. It's kind of weird where the protagonist isn't, is, is almost more static at least than the, than the mom. Um, with that said, let's also point out too that Elise, you know, she's, she's got a good judge of character. Right. Like, like I was thinking about those pictures in the room of like Jackie Robinson and you've got like the ambassador and the actors. They're all like famous people who were known to be pretty good. I think, I don't know. I didn't do extensive research on each one, but I think to me, it's like, while the mom was, I mean, she was practical, right? Like she wanted a design and a plan for everything. She lacked a good eye. Definitely not. Wasn't the devil's eye. Right. <laughs> and Elise on the other side did have a good eye, a good judgment from coming from on top of her shoulders. And that's why she picked pick pictures of good people that did good things. That's why she looked at this play and is like, this stinks. I don't want my name to be, you know, tar after doing this, that I think that's what the mom learns is that like, you know, on top of planning, you gotta have good taste and judge and listen to your insides as opposed to just trying to intellectualize or practical, make everything so practical. That's a good point. I think that Elise is a, a well-rounded individual. She's smart. She knows what she wants. And she does have that innate ability, I think, to read and see people that her mom may not have. And I think that there is a lesson here that the young can learn from the, the old uh, or, you know, younger generations can learn from their elders. But elders can learn from the younger generations, too, and that yeah, this is a two-way street for both the mom and daughter and that if they work together, they'll both be better off as a result. That's actually a really good point because to that exact point, um, the, the Leary and even the Hegel, when she tries to criticize the play, they don't listen to the youth. They immediately reject it, say, oh, you don't know any better. And, and the play's canceled after what, after like five performances or whatever. Like there's yep. clearly something to be said about having good taste, but as well as listening to others and other vantages in a sense. And I think that's great because we see that Elise was right the whole time. She knew what she wanted and this was not it. And that's something that sometimes it takes a lot of people their entire lives to figure out. I'm still doing that. <laughs> so this is great to see that you, if you know what you want, then you go for it. That, that gut feeling that you have is something that you should always listen to because 99% of the time, I think it's going to steer you in the right direction. And my gut is telling me that if you are still watching this video at this point in time, to leave us a monocle in the comments down <laughs> below if you weren't sure what to say. It helps the YouTube algorithm think that you enjoyed today's talk, which I hope you did if you're still sitting out there today. My name's been Una. I'm going to leave a link to a John Cheever playlist down below to check out other talks from him. Let us know what you guys would like to see us cover next. My name has been Una. Peace. Peace.